Hello, and welcome to Sutra Sidewatch, episode 36. I'm your host, Kamran Shushtar, and with me is... I'm Brandon from Apollo City Comics. We are here today in our current, of course, out-of-order fashion of what month is it? Oh boy, we're going to draw it out of the hat. And we are actually skipping right into July with Steven Spielberg. Yes, our summer finanza spectacular blockbuster hits. You know what I mean? That's what we were aiming for uh, this late August. <laughs> <laughs> Just according to, yeah, back, it's like back to school has begun. And it's like, yeah, let's hit the summer. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. We did have to do a change up. So originally we were going to do Steven Spielberg's first film, which was called Firelight. And when we actually went to go look at it to watch it, it turned out that it is not possible to watch Firelight. And there's only like three and a half minutes available of footage in that entire film that he did. And How wild. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. And we're actually going to go, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit here. But uh, what we instead are going to talk about is his first theatrical film, like full length yeah. theatrical film, which was the Sugarland Express that came out in uh, 1974 and uh spielberg himself during this time was a young lad like dude he's 26 yeah 26 he, damn and he was 27 when he was filming jaws i believe when we oh, talk wow. about we'll talk about that actually pretty soon as well but uh that one at least didn't change we're still going to do that one in due time yeah. but uh for sugarland like he this wasn't his first film where a lot of directors we've talked about and covered so far when we hit their first film, it's their first film. Like this is the first thing they've gotten done. There might be a couple little shorts or like student well, films. I mean, in a sense, like, you know, everything we've done is theatrical and a featured film is a theatrical film. So like his first feature is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, the TV movie, he did two TV movies. Uh, it was like Duel. Duel was this, the one that, also that was after firelight it was firelight and then duel i believe and then this one sugarland express i am double checking right now yeah but uh but duel was like another like car chase movie too it which was. is funny because this whole movie is a whole car chase thing what a 70s thing you just always had the cars like just i mean mad max and everything like it was just like that was the thing. Like when you think about the 70 movies, you always kind of think of like the vehicle chases and Spielberg nailed that on his first two things that he was doing. He did. And so kind of going through it a little bit, um, uh, looking at his filmography, he did three shorts in the very beginning. It was like 1959, the last gun, 1961 fighter squad, uh, 1961, escaped to nowhere and then his firelight film came out in 1964 if we want to mm. briefly just touch it up like uh what happened was he screened that film only once and it was at like his local theater and he had a budget the film cost him 500 dollars to make so what he did which was actually really interesting for the fact that like this guy wasn't asking for a lot he rented out he the theater screened it for him and he charged everyone one dollar and there were 500 seats available yeah. so he literally only wanted to break even he didn't try at all to make a profit he's just like i want to make this movie if i can get that 500 dollars back that'd be great 
And it sold out, of course. You know, all 500 seats were uh, picked up. One person, one single person paid him double. So he managed to make a $1 profit yes. on the movie. But yeah, it never was released or anything. So you can't actually even watch it, which is even, it's just crazy. But, you know, afterwards he did uh, two more shorts in 1967, Slipstream, and then 1968, Amblin, which we're actually mm-hmm. going to cover next episode. Uh Purely for the reason that, and it's going to be a short episode, probably our shortest to date because we wanted to try to do little uh, short films like this. And we've got two more later on this year, but uh, that one we're going to do because his production company is called Amblin. And I want to see, well, we want to see why, why is it called Amblin? What's so special about the short film that he wanted to name his entire motion picture company out of it? you know that's like a youtube thing you can find super easily as well like for free like it's that it's that available for everybody to check out so you know prep for the next episode people definitely and you know from there he went through uh directed a bunch of single episodes of a bunch of different like mm-hmm. movie show i mean not movie show tv shows Dude, including did, uh colombo <laughs> i knew i was gonna say is like including your colombo yeah one episode of colombo and after all those different like he kept leveling up it's like oh i'm doing short films i'll do this full length film that is still just me and it's like an indie film and then he's finally in like full-on like i guess i want to say hollywood basically more or less hollywood and he's like doing tv episodes and then he levels up again he's like he gets three tv movies the duel or just duel in 1971 something evil in 1972 Mm. And then Savage in 1973. And then one year later, he finally leaves the television movie market and moves into the theatrical films with Sugarland Express. And then one year later, we get Jaws. And which... he was 26. Dude, 26. that is insane. That is awesome. That's just, you hear about the whole George Lucas, uh, I'm going to say like three different Franks, uh, who did the Godfather? Oh, uh, uh, how did I just forget his uh, fr- uh? I'm spacing it out. I've been talking about the Godfather all week with somebody. I was like, just uh, his like, name is always in my head. Holy shit! Hang on. I yeah, Bram Stoker, Dracula. Um, I know his shit. Uh, yeah, well, Coppola, yeah, you about Francis Coppola, Ford Coppola. I'm Francis so fucking. Ford I don't know how Coppola. I forgot that. That's I. I, I wanna. I'm gonna was, go. Because uh, well, then I said a, Frank. Yeah. I had the F right. Um, I'm gonna go stab myself <laughs> with the katana. I'll be back, guys. I'll, t- I'll right. talk to y'all later. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, one of those things. Um, when you hear about that little like you know trio of directors hanging out and talking about things, like no wonder some of that stuff is just so amazing. These guys are sharing techniques. These guys have great mentors that they're working with. Like what a great time in cinema to be like on the streets doing this, you know? And they even filmed this really well where they were just doing it during the daytime. Like they had a very kind of like good structured schedule where it was just daytime shoots. There's really no nighttime scenes at all. Um, Maybe one, two, you know, but that's even evening ish. But what, I mean, this Sugarland Express, I was trying to, like, analyze it when I started it up to, like, think about, like, okay, what to consider about his first feature film? And you're looking at shots, you're looking at camera movements, you're looking at, like, how the story's being told, um, who it's, who's telling the story. You know, that's a big part of the director, too, is just, yeah. like, presenting that point of view. 
and fuck, this was mind blowingly good. Like, I I have to say, I was I didn't know too much about it because we switched this last minute, but when when I started it up, I mean, right away I was just I saw the story and I was like, I'm not too sure if I'm gonna be too into this. Like, it doesn't seem to be something I'd go for no matter what. Like in general, you yeah. Know, not you know, just I just I didn't feel captivated. Um, but then like three minutes in, you're just like, I'm in love with these characters, like all these characters. They do a great job of like taking people you don't think you're going to like at all to immediately rooting for them. I mean, crazy. It, uh, I forgot where I heard it. I want to say it was like a Turner classic movie segment, but something about like how they turn criminals or maybe it was Spielberg himself. Um, how they turn criminals into folk heroes. Uh, yeah, in America. it's very true, and, actually. I mean, like, dude, look I at mean, um, Pancho Villa. Pancho actually, no, Villa. he's not even a criminal. That was, that was more of a freedom fighter. I mean, anyway. dude, and it, it's, like, you know, controversial, but there's been some recent criminals that become folk heroes, like, that still happen to this day. You know what I mean? They're, yeah. Like, that's a big thing. I mean, in the last couple of years, I could just name about three or four. But, you know, not, like, to say it's one of those things, like, you respect their mission, and they respect the cause they were standing up for. You know what I mean? I'm not. That's gonna get real political. So I'm not gonna stop that right there. But I, I, that's I, I the thing with America, like that we turn criminals into folk heroes. And this was a story written in the 70s. How just well that's personified. Um, yeah. And you can see why. Like you know, that's a point of view that we get in this movie too. You know, we have you're in the car, like you're with the criminals, but you're like watching them. And then you're with the cops. That's another point of view we're coming from. But then you also have America's point of view that comes in out of nowhere and how they just start the people seeing people. They're like, hi. Yeah. 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 Just like excited to see them. They're like, and she's telling them like, it's your baby. Like, don't let anyone like that. The, the righteous cause behind everything. The reason why these people are pushing forward. The, exactly why they become folk heroes. You know what I mean? Because look at the mark that they were standing for. You know, she was just trying to get her kid back. Yeah. And everyone was backing her up saying like, she needs to have, it's her child. Let her have her child, you know? Um, <laughs> freaking wild though. But uh, it, it was interesting how much they put into this movie just by, just that's like just not even talking about the story or what it's about. You know, you're just in love with these characters, these three, four people, kind of the main characters. You have yeah. Captain uh, Tanner, uh, Slide, mm-hmm. and uh, the couple, of course. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's like, it's kind of like almost an action movie. There's a lot of shooting scenes, you know? There's a couple crazy ones. It's also ones. comedic at points. Well, in the beginning, comedic? and then it takes a very dark turn, and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's romantic. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, they're the dynamic they have as a couple is the cutest, sweetest. The scene that, like, really was just like, this is nailing their, their relationship is when they stop somewhere, and then uh, he was just like, do you need a pee? Like, do you sure you don't want to get out right now to go do something because we can't be stopping later? I'm fine. You need to go. Yeah. And then a little while later, she's just like, "Ah, don't be mad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you just, that's such an, they're really good at nailing that grounded dynamic. And it was just a, you saw that they were in love, that they were a great couple. They were normal people, you know, they humanized them a lot. And even the, the officer, like, of course he's terrified. He's kind of like, you know, freaked out, but then he even loosens up and he like, they all kind of relax. He knows that he's really not in danger because he sees what they're about. Um, it was just so much. 
it's crazy. Like I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming. But then I think about him like it's Spielberg. You look at his filmography and you're just like, there's so, of course there's so much. He knows how to get theme and story into there. Um, comedic moments. The, the tow trucks, the tow trucks is one of my favorites. Oh, where there's like six tow trucks trying to get this car. And then you just watch the background and there's just two guys fighting over it. And one dude's just trying to throw punches. The other guy's not even trying. And he does yeah. like one push and the dude like flies backwards. It's so good. The entire scene as they're talking about, you know, what they're doing, more pulling up. They keep coming, like, yeah. Yes. It, I mean, brilliant. Really brilliant stuff for a first feature film. He really took their shots where you're looking from one car into the next. There's two vehicles. You know, they're both driving. And they repeatedly do it. Yeah. With different like cars. They were doing different cars, different, like, ways to talk. The news either, van. A, a hey yeah, the fucking like dudes hanging off the van just being like we want to we want to interview you and it's so clear on who's talking because you see them just fucking cool man yeah. like i i don't know i'm glad i kind of watched it twice it's um, such a movie full of innovation from a 26 year old guy who i looked at his first short and i'm like you know usually when you see a bunch of shorts on a director's imdb you're like oh these are all their college films right and i looked at the the year and then i subtracted the years and i learned that spielberg was 11 when he did that first short damn yeah so he started at 11 and worked his way up uh getting into television and stuff like that first episode he was uh 22 dang so you just went i can drink this year next year i can direct (laughs) <laughs> that's kind of how spielberg went through his stuff apparently it's wild yeah. i just honestly and you know my relationship with do you have like a film relationship with Sp- steven spielberg like yes are you well, highly diverse are you just fairly familiar there is something okay so spielberg's a very interesting director to me if you asked me throughout my entire life who my favorite directors were you know it's funny i would never have brought spielberg up and the right. reason for it is because maybe I'm just, I was too trying not to be mainstream in a sense where Spielberg's such a, he feels like the establishment at this point in mm-hmm. modern day, you look at him and he has like a massive filmography and he's done so much. And it always feels like you're just going to see this dude at the Oscars every year, no matter what. And they're like, yeah, it's Spielberg and stuff. And you're just kind of like, it's kind of like looking at the Yankees. You don't hate them because they're good. You hate them because they're consistently there all the time. And you're just like, yeah. fuck, I can't mm-hmm. stand them always being there. And it's something <laughs> Jim that Lee, I... dude. Huh? Jim Lee. Jim... Yeah, That's there you good. go. Jim Lee. Like, there's all these different metaphors for it in different mediums. That mm-hmm. there's that one guy or that one team or that one company, whatever it is. And Spielberg for me was that. And if you ask me even today i'm like yeah he's not even in my top five he's whatever like i don't think about it and then you ask me like oh well what are what are some of the most iconic films for you and i'm like oh well indiana jones like even more so than star wars i would consider it like probably the second best trilogy second to just lord of the rings and stuff like i the indiana jones movies are fucking spectacular and raiders of the lost ark is probably my favorite film of all time potentially like it's that fucking amazing and i always forget i'm like oh yeah spielberg did that huh it's like 
I, Dude, I don't know I, what happened. It just I, I, I disassociate everything from Indiana Jones and Spielberg. Like everything else is separate for some reason. I looked at his filmography and I was just, I felt the same way. I was like, what do I really know that I've seen from Spielberg? Like in my, you know, reason why we started this show is to like open up our filmography in a sense. We want to watch film. I wanted to study film. I want to learn more about stuff I was missing out on. And I looked at his filmography to be like, what, how much more am I missing out on? And I'm just like, I have seen so many of these and so many are just like, okay, I'm going to get to that. But like, in total of the films that you that are just iconic, Jaws, Close Encounters, Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., Indiana Jones, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, Indiana Jones, Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's Wrist, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, War of the Worlds, Indiana Jones, Adventures of Tintin, and then you could even say like Lincoln, the BFG, Ready Player Wait, One, West the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds, right? Was that him? Yeah, yeah, that was him. Did he also do Schindler's List? Was that him? He did. Yeah, that was him. Schindler's List is on that list. Right. Dude, he did Hook in 91, and no. 93 <laughs> Jurassic Park and Schindler's List came out. And how why? I mean, that's the thing. Like, all of his movies, like, are things we just iconically know. And then you're just like, why would I ever? He is a brilliant director. Because why, What do I have against him? Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, it's one of those things where you just, like, you know, when I would grow up and like i don't know you, like you don't want to listen to what's popular and yeah and then you find a few later a few years later just like oh you know what the talking heads are really fucking cool like you know <laughs> like shit like that just it doesn't register with you because you just want to be against it it was like literally me with green day for a long time <laughs> yeah dude like yeah I, I feel you i'm like that with bands i was like that with the beatles and then i read the invisibles and i was like in love with the beatles all sorts of stuff you know it happens often well not too often i'm not gonna say some of that shit is bullshit but i mean this is one of those cool occurrences where you're just like whoa i'm i should be i want to watch all of these movies now yeah because you, i know you forget that you great. even have half of these probably made your childhood already like indiana jones jurassic yeah. park fucking hook hook like mm -hmm. that that movie itself is Dude, i was just talking about hook with somebody like three weeks ago like this is stuff that still comes up in like natural almost weekly conversation at some point I probably, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, and then the films that I haven't seen are films. I'm like, I need to watch this. Like this Jaws. Well, not this, but Jaws Close Encounters. I haven't seen neither. Have, I haven't seen the color purple, but like, dude, I mean, catch me if you can. Fuck. I, I, I feel like terminal, it went from, you know, we're like, well, you know what? We could throw them in this year. It's fine to probably after this, like. Yeah, it's so you know, every year we're gonna have a Spielberg month. It's just gonna because yeah. there's so much, and because the, here's the thing: we want to do like iconic film and film that really defines everything. And there are so many of his films that basically do that. Like honestly, probably yeah. the first like 20 years of his filmmaking is just that uh, in and of itself. Like all the way, mm -hmm. like everything from before we were born to every like a good 10 years after we were born at the very least is just like okay. I'd say to like the go. Terminal in 2004. Yeah, because then he had. Right before that was Catch Me If You Can, Minority Report, and AI. And usually, uh, usually a lot of things just stop at 9-11. That's kind of like the cutoff for a yeah, lot right? of things. Yeah, huh? yeah, that's when right, the eras huh? change. That is when the eras change. So yeah, that's true. That I is a see, very big I can see that. Yeah. Oh, wow. We should analyze that more. Because that's, I mean, yeah. that's the thing about this movie. It's so, it's so simple, and it's It's amazing. Premise. It's I, I was it's shocked. I'm watching it, and a good, I want to say a third to halfway through it and i'm like 
wait, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I felt the same exact way where I was just like, I'm going to get to a point where I just stop. And I really don't hit that point. Granted, I did stop the movie both times I watched it at the same point. Um, but I think I was just like tired of shit and like exhausted. Um, that's a different thing. But at the same time, like I picked it right back up and I was just like captivated. Like I never yeah. wanted it. It was just kind of like I couldn't really grasp because I'm trying to analyze it too at the same time. But man, like watching it twice felt so good. So good. And I don't always watch every movie we do twice. But this one, I was just like, I really want to go back to like do a double take of some of these things and really just like feel first time I felt it for what like the camera movements and the shot and analyzing the story. And the second time was just like really just story and character focused, but man, I mean, great screenwriting too. I mean, by yeah. all means, I mean, this, you know, this isn't all just Spielberg at the same time, how Bearwood and Matthew Robbins, these guys, uh, have some, you know, work that's well known and everything. Um, uh, home size worked for a lot for uh video games like with like lucas arts um how barwood and... oh lucas arts so then he probably did um if you did lucas arts was it like tales of monkey island then maybe no he did some indiana jones stuff on it oh too, okay all right yeah and then this other actually i don't know too many of it. he's actually let's see what's this writer um this is gonna be interesting matthew robbins actually was a writer for the new pinocchio coming out this year which one? The 2022 one with, oh, Guillermo del Toro's. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's a Disney one and there's a yeah. del Toro Netflix one. I'm like, it, they, oh, they did this I twice. They did out. this with Jungle Book too. I'm like, which Jungle right. Book? There's two coming out. I don't know anymore. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. I'd love to just check that out. One yeah. del Toro, but like it's just seeing the writing. Here just, it is. Just you real know. fast. Like they, if you, they have trailers for both out now. The live action Disney one just looks like an ad- adaptation of the cartoon. And I'm just like, this is weird. And then the Del Toro one is completely different. It And the biggest comment everyone made was, oh, hey, it's a wooden boy. <laughs> it's oh it's not God. a fake looking boy, but it's actually just a boy made of wood. This is great. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. But You know what? I don't know any of these other movies he did. But you know what? We should look into the movie called Dragon Slayer from 1981. It's an American dark fantasy, and it's uh, directed by Matthew Robbins, and it's a he co-wrote it with Hal Barwood too. Mm. So maybe that would be a fun little just to see what their other production might come out to. But I mean, the writing on this was spectacular. I feel like there's a lot that just branches out of this movie, or branches out of people that just work with Spielberg. It's like a mm. a root stem that just gives off all this talent and possibility. That just could you occurs. be also referring to the remarkable John Williams? And it was his first collaboration with uh, Spielberg and working. John with Williams. I don't know who that is. Doesn't you know, ring a bell. It's crazy. It's crazy how some people will dismiss John Williams. How do you dismiss John Williams? How do you dismiss someone that you Jaws, hear... ET, Indiana Jones, Star Wars? You you hear exactly. You hear those titles and you instantly hear the theme. Yeah. What other fucking composer has done that for he... you? ever even like at the point where he's like i really want to stop doing this he his music is like the the one like when you look at the fucking star wars sequels uh the ray theme that he created Mm -hmm. was fantastic and then it's the one thing you if you just try to disassociate it it's a very depressing theme now because now you associate it with the horrible trilogy and you're kind of like listening to it because it's so hopeful and you're like, oh, it could it's what could have been. But instead, you just can listen to this and not think about what you watched. 
I mean, that's the thing too. That's what like really carried that prequel trilogy forward too. Was I mean that score was remarkable. Yeah. Like you, you even you know there's key themes like throughout those films that when Darth Maul comes out that da da. Oh, Duel of the Fates is like that Fates. is yeah. I learned that on trombone when I was like in band when I was like in middle school, dude. And I mean, you think about the love theme that's in like episode two. Oh, yeah. Or like, the fucking Empire one where. Yeah. Yeah. Like John Williams. I mean, that's the thing too is that when you look at the music he makes, and this was something I forgot where I heard this, I don't, not taking credit for it, but uh, there was a composer that was saying, like, you know, somebody was having an issue with, I forgot who and what this involves, but two composers, two big name composers. Um, were having issues with the theme and they were just like I think somebody was asking the guy who made Somewhere Over the Rainbow um, and the dude was saying uh, if you can't play it with one hand like it's too much and when you play Somewhere Over the Rainbow you could play the, the whole melody with one hand when you play Jaws you could play it with one hand Star Wars like all that type of stuff it's so simple and it's just brilliant. And it's one of those things you have to boil it down to just like with storytelling, just with like anything that really like resonates, you boil it down to these key components and that's where you're going to hit your mark. And that's like how it's magical and memorable. Yeah. I still, you know, what's funny with this movie was, you know, throughout it, it has a very comedic tone of music. Like it's very mm-hmm. kind of slapstick almost. I mean, to the point where even they're watching like Looney Tunes uh for it or what it's not slapstick but it's theme? like very southern it's like there was a main theme that was like a almost a nursery rhyme like uh god what was the song i can't think of it but there was they played it like three or four times um i can't think of the song now anymore but i'm sorry go on i mean like it's just funny listening to it and you know all the music here isn't necessarily iconic but it's very much like you could feel all of the precursor vibes that you get in Jaws, E.T., Jurassic Park, Star Wars, because it is John Williams, and you don't even think about it because you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just Southern stuff. And I'm not going to lie, like, uh, when I was sending you text messages and some of the notes I made, I just put in, like, straight up, I wrote them in Southern accents. Like, uh, like that's what I was feeling, like, watching this entire film. It, it felt so just like, oh, yeah, this is a specific region in the world. Like, you don't even say it's American. You're like, yeah, this is very uh, specific like place in the world. It's called Texas. And in this little Texas oh. land, like... It took me like... out watching it. I was like, where is Sugarland? Like, what's what's how far is that from El Paso and whatnot? You know, my stomping grounds. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, it's way like in Houston. That was 12 hours away from me. Um, I mean, <laughs> what was funny was, state. you know, in a, in a certain scene, you start seeing the interest from the rest of the state in what's going on to the point where two troopers have these brand new green cruisers and they're like you know what this is three hours away but we need to break in these new babies let's uh let's go out there and uh catch up to this chase and then it ends up that they <laughs> they drive three hours to immediately crash and total their cars but like it's just that whole attention grab that they pull off where people just want to see news cameras want to see other cops are coming in. They're like, yeah, we have troopers from Dallas, from Austin showing up here. And it's not just like the force they had before. And now all of a sudden they have like this insane force. And you can even tell because the cars aren't even the same color anymore. Like there's vastly different colored cars. And then there's all these civilian cars to the point where, um, 
I think, after they li leave the first city. Not Rodrigo, because Rodrigo is fucking chaos. But the first city, there's a dialogue of kids. You don't see the kids, but they're counting. They're counting how many cars there are. And they're like 71, 72. And they're like 108, 112. And you're just seeing the entire line of cars that are going by. And it's just crazy how they do that. And the best part is they don't explain it. They never even mention the word car. You're just hearing numbers from the voices of kids you never even see. And to me, that's really good storytelling without really showing who's talking or telling what they're counting because you could already see what's going on there. So I, I really cool. did appreciate that. Um, but I will say, like, I guess going into the movie itself, like in the very beginning, uh, they really um, <laughs> throw you off with uh, Lou Jean. Like, she comes in and you're just like you don't seem like you have a lot of good ideas at all no and, and she consistently has bad ideas and they're all obviously bad you yeah, know what i mean that's ridiculously the whole thing so. behind it is that they're all clearly the worst ideas ever he had four months left like that and that's the like the joke that keeps on coming back throughout the movie too is just like you left good four months left and you, you got him out of prison like he was on pre-release like who does that who does that um all of them and that's what made her so captivating she was just so passionate and just like i don't know i guess motherly in that sense where she's like nothing else matters in this world but getting my baby back and i mean even when you see like her poster photos she is like one of those like hillbilly looking um kind of like redneckish like women like i mean her hair is like she looks like a cartoon character that they you know draw for like wacky races to that yeah. like portray like a hillbilly or something you know um she looked a lot like uh, who's the girl from sin city Brittany murphy Brittany murphy she did oh are you talking about the one that's like i got the whole basin city blues here in my like are you talking about the yeah. one that uh is getting wait in sin city um the one with the cop boyfriend yeah 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 I know who you're talking about. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. well, the actress that plays the Lou Jean, that's Goldie Hawn. And Goldie Hawn is actually a pretty famous actress, one that I wouldn't know too much about personally. The reason I knew that name immediately when I looked at IMDb is just because it's ingrained in my head for my mom throughout my life. Always, like, anytime she saw the name Goldie Hawn, she's like, oh, my God, it's Goldie Hawn. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. The fuck is Goldie Hawn? And the minute I realized who it was, like, when I saw that MDB and then you see, like, the black and white photo there, I'm like, oh, shit, it's Goldie Hawn. Yes, I know exactly who this is. Okay. And her acting She's in this. somebody that, like, I recognize her face and I've seen her everywhere, but I have not seen, like, one of her movies or anything. But I know who she yeah. is. Because this is, I would say, like, because throughout her i believe she's throughout like the 60s and 70s because she was born in like 45 i think like she was born at the end of the world mm -hmm. or yeah. so uh and i think she's still in movies right now i'm pretty sure yeah. she like plays 2020 was her last credit was she like mrs claus or some shit yeah something like something? that yeah, yeah. Exactly so that. that's uh i don't think i've seen those christmas movies and i'm pretty sure i've probably seen her in some other stuff but i, I just the never christmas chronicles Oh my gosh, that's hilarious as yeah. hell. Kurt Russell, dude. Oh, is that the Kurt Russell Santa one? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, how did you watch that? I didn't watch that. I definitely didn't watch it. She was on Kurt Space Russell. Ghost, Ghost to Coast. It. 
She was in that's Space cool. Ghost? Yeah, for one episode. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's cool. Okay. But yeah, Goldie Hawn does a fantastic job in this movie. She just plays playing this woman that is wacky and kind of does without thinking practically like every single time even when she says you have a i have a plan and you're like that's not a plan that's that's fucking stupid but like just kind of going from everything like she starts off like i'm gonna break my husband out of pre-release pre mm-hmm. pre-release pre-release he's already getting out and it's just like we're almost there nah fuck it let's get you arrested again and then from there oh let's uh let's steal this car to then let's kidnap this man mm-hmm. back to back to back, which, you know, you showed me that article um, about the real life story for everything. And I thought yeah. that was really interesting how uh, there are similarities, but there's not like, um, were they still going for the kids or was it like, uh, was it stepkids? I noticed it was like a little bit different in terms of yeah, like, it was, it was a little, that was, I mean, I didn't, I don't remember too much of the details behind it, but I just thought it was hilarious, like how, how Hollywood this was turned up. Yeah. They saw this story. They saw the premise. Literally, that's how basic the premise is. You know, a couple does everything they can to get their baby back from a foster home. Um, and At I first, mean, I thought it was going to be like that Simpsons episode where uh, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie are like taken somewhere and Homer and March have to get them back. And like Homer stops Maggie or Bar- he stops Bart from getting baptized. That's what it was. And like uh, Maggie sees uh, Marge and then runs immediately to her. Um, I thought it was going to be like that. And then once we got to the end, I'm like, this is not that. This is much more depressing. <laughs> yeah. By the end of yeah. it. it um, it's so like just turned up to the T. Like, I don't even know if there was like even a crowd of people that like would have cheered him on. I think they just added so many elements to the story while writing it. It was heavily escalated, but I mean, it's all, it tells the story, but just like any story, like there's a lot of truth, but then the truth is kind of blended in with other things. Yeah. Um, But I mean, overall it still hits what happened to an extent, you know, very much. Um, so. And even the deaths and everything, Um, except it wasn't a sniper that got him. I remember that it was when he walked in and got shot. Yeah. Yeah. They, but he opened the door and bam, he got shot right there. Uh, but man, that was so dramatic too. It's so sad. Like and it was only a couple hours. They said it was like a few hours, not a couple days or something like at that. Point. That's true. It, it all happened in one day. I was questioning that too. I was like, it doesn't take that long to get across Texas where I don't know where they started. Well, Did they kept having a bunch started? of stops. Like they had to stop for gas that took a while. They had to stop. They waited for a bathroom. That's to be right. delivered to them that had that's a cop right. inside of it <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny as shit that's right um <laughs> literally uh yeah i mean that was just so so extreme and it's funny because i mean the ending the beginning and ending are true you know yeah that's kind of that's the cool part uh but they that's a cool that's the interesting thing about this movie is how involved they get you with the characters and how watching their point of view and seeing who they are as people makes you change their perspective on, are they like really bad people is like what they're doing really so wrong. And yeah. like how, I mean, at, they're just desperate and they're fucking lost and confused, but they just know what they want. You know, they're like they low grade. They find, you find out they're just low grade thieves, like very low grade, just like yeah. probably stole something stupid. Yeah. Um, and the fact that like, uh, what was his name? The uh, the husband. 
Um, I have to like look it up again. Oh, I I know the actor was William Ar- Arthur Clovis. Ar- Arthurton. Clovis, yeah, William Arthur didn't play Clovis, but Clovis at a certain point even goes to Slate, and he's like, "I think I'd like to be a highway patrolman." Yeah, and it's so funny, like. Yeah, no, I don't think people with felonies can be a highway patrolman, especially, you know, right after this. But this dude has a great filmography, too. He was in Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2. He was in some Twilight Zone episodes. He was uh, Dr. Destiny uh, in Justice League, just as the voice. Wait, 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 uh, which character? Uh, William Clovis. Oh, well, okay. Uh, Ghostbusters. He was even in the Ghostbusters video games. Um. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff that I, I, think I mean. Yeah, when you look at all the IMDb's for everyone, he's one of the few people that's actually still in his his photos in color, where a lot of the others are like just black that's and white. That's true. That's very which true. Is very too. interesting. Uh, but um, the sheriff only did like literally like westerns till he died, straight up. Oh, Captain Tanner. Yeah. Um, Ben Johnson played Captain. Ben Tanner. Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, so, you know, she does all this wacky stuff and it does a good job of kind of like starting off as a comedy to going into like issues of what's going on once like, you know, they get to the trailer park and that shit kind of gets a little unhinged towards the later chase where everything kind of dies down again. It feels much more heartfelt and then ends in just like just being sad, Uh, which... I think they do a really good job of just getting you invested enough where that whole time you're watching, you already know they're not going to get the kid. Like you just Mm -hmm. have that feeling like this, that's not legally possible, nor is it even possible that a kid would be given to somebody in a hostage situation. Like that's just not going to occur. You look at the first like thing that they do, just getting them out of pre-release. You're just like, no matter what, it's just going to get worse from here. You know what I mean? Like, they don't start off on a good note at all. They don't start off with any hope at all. Um, But you're kind of curious, how far are they going to... That's what this whole movie is kind of seeing. How far are these people going to take it? What, like, what are they going to go through to get to their end goal? Um, I mean, that's that's what makes it so interesting, is that they got shot. I mean, they ran out of gas. They had to use the bathroom. They they got shot at, at that, that trailer park type of thing. Um they dealt with each other they ate they like went through everything they got snipered um nothing stopped them nothing it was just a total unstoppable force you know wailing through even america cheering them on nobody there was cops all right behind them yeah. they were invincible that's you would i mean one for for one you would never see that in america today that many cops trailing someone for uh, hours or even days, like without. Yeah, they would have them shot up. at them way before. They would have they shot them immediately. It's like, no, they're in, they're with a bunch of civilians. Shoot them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. it's definitely not like it is now. Um, if any, I don't even know if it was like that then either. It's just uh, the only places I'd imagine. So it'd be like small towns where everyone maybe knows each other. So it's like not going to be anything like too insane but no one ever gives anyone that much leeway and it, it's funny like i was, I think i talked about it, i'm like i made a note of like oh a captain with 18 years of no deaths like holy mm-hmm. shit that's actually good police work but that's nothing that exists in the modern day like that that's not something that happens and look how proud he was about that and that was his whole thing he's just like he had the opportunity to stop it 
but he was like, no, like we'll find a better way. We don't want to take a human life, man. That's just so untrue today. Like, and so apparent how different shoot first. Yeah. For real is. Yeah. That's just how it is. And, but it like makes you really admire that sheriff. Like he's just like, I see the situation. He's like analyzing it, like the danger aspect and what's going on. Um, and he's just like, you know what? No, like, we can't do that. We can't just kill him for not, for for what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a better way to do it. Even, like, making him crash, in a sense. Like, you're not killing them. You're just going to knock them out for a second, you know, the way you do it. And that's what they tried to do. But, hi, yeah, that was a remarkable moment. You really got to understand the sheriff, his characterization, just in that one sentence. You're just, you understand who he is. And it's a, what makes him switch his mind, though? Um, I think once they realize how close, how much closer they're getting to the kid, because once mm-hmm. they realize they can't get the kid, like what's going to happen after that, what's it going to escalate to? And that's when he realizes, oh, we have to stop it here and now. Otherwise, like, we don't know. We don't want to enter an unknown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I can, before we get to this hard point where that we're going to get to, I want to do everything I can to potentially dissuade them and give them other options, which they would not take. And from there, it was like, well, now we have to do this, even though, you know, you don't want it to happen. And you're just like, don't do it, please don't don't make this occur. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was just uh, it sucked to see it occur. But it's like anything else, kind of like really just like a uh, slide. You're just like, well. I kind of, the only thing I can do is watch at this point. Like, I can't get involved. I can't do anything about this. It's just what's going to happen. And, and I mean, that's the cool part. I mean, you just really don't know what could happen. You're kind of, well, I mean, you do. It's kind of like a Columbo episode where they show you, like, the murder and how it happens and what goes on. But then you see Columbo solve the mystery. Just to throw a Columbo reference in there. But you see, like, them setting up everything, that cop point of view. You see what's going on in the background. You see what they're walking into. And now the it's that great thing that great filmmakers know how to do is giving the audience more information than our characters. So we see all this and we see the setup. We see what's waiting for them. We see who's waiting for them and what they have armed. And you're like, how the fuck are they going to escape the situation? Like, where is this going to lead to? And you don't really, I mean, there's that moment so suspenseful seeing how he's going to get shot, if he's going to get shot, is it fatal? Um, does he get away? Like, if you don't know anything about the history of it, then, like, you really don't know. So I love that, man, that ending scene. Remarkable. Remarkable how they set that up. Oh, at the river? Oh, even at the river, yeah. I was talking about him just walking up to the house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing, too, like, how insane I felt like this was the entire community aspect of just the that entire crowd of people the first not the parade but the Mm -hmm. very when they the first area they pull up to those people they literally just pull in and these people just crowd around the car and it's a small crowd like it's not a big one or anything and that's when you know that lady goes to the market and buys her a bunch of this stuff for like hair products and whatnot and lipstick and everything but that whole time like they're just next to a car of a couple that have an entire line of cops chasing them, are armed with guns, have a hostage. 
they just proceed to come up to the window and just go like, oh, hi, how's it going? And like mm-hmm. they go up to the cop and they're like, just hang in there, son. Like he's right there. There's only a door separating them. And he's just like, yep, you know, these things happen. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's such an insane concept that like, if let's say this happened to me, I'm taken hostage. And you're with a crowd of people that surround the car. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm like in this car and they have like a gun on me, but I'm stuck in here. But they're like trying to get their kid. And you're just like, oh, damn. Well, hang in there, man. I'm like, <laughs> let me like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, like, it's just so far fetched to even, it's so hard to comprehend this occurring. It doesn't feel like it's a real world when you could do that. But at the same time, I feel like that would happen in those types of movies in that era where like these weird little, just the way people would act in film or maybe they were like that in real life. I have no idea what it was like back then or in what regions it would be like that in. And it's just such a, it's not even foreign. It's alien. Like Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel like it's from the planet that you could, that you could do anything like this or that there'd be a parade of people and a bunch of Boy Scouts right after directing traffic. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> what's, what's happening? Oh, they gave him a pig. Oh, okay. I know. And then starts peeing on her and everything. Like, that was, ah, that, see, that was such a cute, like, that's what America sees is that cute moment, too. You know what I mean? Harmless yeah. has a pig and the pig peed on her and she's not, like, attacking it or anything. She's like, she's the pig's laughing. pig on me. Yeah, and then they're like, like we, we can't take this pig. Please, someone take the pig. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, it's it's crazy how they make that connection and how they have the character perceived through different people. Um, yeah. and to the points where the cops aren't even like upset or like, I mean, they're tired and annoyed and angry, but like, they're not, you know, bloodthirsty. They're not like trying no. to really chase them down and they could take them down at any point. You know what I mean? Um, but also they don't want to risk the life of their officer, which is another caring aspect of it too. Pretty much. Um, and even when they're, when the cops are going through the parade, there's one lady that goes up to captain Tanner's and she's like, do you she says something like uh how uh like well referenced are you and god and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it almost feels like a call to like he's gonna have to call, make the call to have this man killed later mm-hmm. on and it's like kind of talking about that almost it felt like you don't think about it but it's something i kind of i could be wrong but it's something i feel like is kind of connective of like I can see that. I mean, to... all that type of stuff is purposeful. There's so there's no really wasted dialogue here. It's, it, there's not a lot of fat to kind of get rid of. Everything's kind of there to like have you understand them a bit more. Um, that's good writing, dude. Yeah, it's great writing. Even yeah, to the point where a fucking news van pulls up and next to you, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we want to do an interview with you guys, an exclusive." And they're like, "How much?" And, yeah, <laughs> and like they have to pull away. And all three of them, it wasn't even just like, uh, it wasn't Slide was like not part of it. He's like, listen, guys, we have to make sure we get the best deal out of this, like this interview. And they're like, oh, you're right <laughs> to the cop. <laughs> and they're even yeah. like, when they, before they go into the town of Rodrigo with the parade, they look at Slide and they're like, it needs to be unanimous. And he's just like, fuck. And he because he's still handcuffed. He raises both of his hands and it's like, listen, we've all decided to go into the town. <laughs> it's so it's it's crazy um to the point you know they're even it it gets so human because they start exchanging pictures like Mm, she's showing him what the kid looks like and he's like oh these are my parents and then she's like what's this and it's like the younger 
pictures. It looks it was mm-hmm. taken out of like a photo booth and stuff. And yeah, it's just a, he has like that embarrassing moment where he's like ashamed of it, you know, and she's still looking at it and everything. Like that's the cool part, that humanity and that connection they make throughout this whole film on this wild chase and this weird scenario, like and it's so not threatening, but we still escalate it to the most threatening thing possible. You know, like where that really does take control sometimes. And that's that's what ends up winning these battles is the violence aspect, which is real sad. But like before all that, you really realize that they're just like normal people. They're just loving people who just want their kid back. And it's yeah. like, wow, you guys. It, it brings I, into or sorry, keep going because mine's. Oh, no, I, I was literally just going to say, like, I haven't seen a film that's been that captivating. Like, there's a lot of attempts to get something like this going, you know, but it's never, never really hits the mark. But this one, like, I was blindsided completely yeah. by it. Yeah. I think, like, what this does, you know, we, we talk, we, it's something you started about when we bring in the armitage of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not really the whole, I want to get my baby back. That's kind of more of the plot. It mm-hmm. feels like where's the armitage of this is, even in the craziest of circumstances, it you can still find the ability to be a human being or the ability to be have human connection if that makes sense beautiful yeah 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 Yeah, you know that that is a perfect i think that's probably the best armature we've had because you're so right that hits it such on the nail on the head like because when you just think that something can happen or they'll go crazy or something extreme will happen like you really bring back that humanity and that we're all just just as scared yeah. Or, you know, just, you know, all everything. Or just They're, understanding of it. Understanding. Why are you doing this? Um, yes. And I think it's one of those things, too. It's even like, what if you got into a fight with somebody? Or, like, it's like one of those fucking world star fights. It's like, you know, you beat the shit out of each other. And what happens after? You're just going to, he's knocked out. You're going to spit on him? Or are you going to have out your hand and be like, all right, the fight's over. Like, I'll help you up. Like, mm-hmm. are we done? We good? Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, even to the points where, like, other instances in this film was when they're eating the chicken and she's like, oh, Sly, did you want some honey on your chicken and stuff? And they're, like, giving the stuff and they're just, like, eating, like, normal practically while there's, yeah. like, snipers watching in the dark, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, let's yes, kill them. That's, that's the other suspenseful part where they're just eating chicken and they're all, like, happy and he's finally loosening up and he's like, you know what, I am really hungry, like, and they give him a bucket of chicken and everything. But then there's, like, snipers on them, like, and you're just like, if... What a way to deliver a story. Yeah. That's cool, man. Like, those point of views are so important and crucial because if you didn't have the point of view of the cops, it would be kind of bland. Yeah. Like, it would still work. There's still that core essence of it for sure. But way to, like, escalate that moment. You know, a very very calm, collective moment. And you're just... And there's always cops on them. You never know what they're going to do. And there's still, there's like comedy throughout, like to the point where the old couple of, uh, of, um, what was his name again? Shit. I just forgot his name. The, uh, husband, um, uh, Clovis. Was, yeah. So his inmate brother is inmate friend. He's like, I don't, you know, I'm, I don't want to see you. You're like almost out four months. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. I'll call the guards on you. It's for your own good. That way you still have to just do the four months. Um, uh, they leave with his parents and the funniest shit with his parents that I thought would happen a couple more times was like the when slide leaves and goes to chase after the car he's like wait right here and he just leaves them and 
And then eventually another cop comes and he's like, oh, wait, is that your, is that the car, is your car, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, that's it. And he just goes, wait right here. And they, they're just stuck there. No one ever comes and gets them. You're just kind of like, That was the funniest part. Yeah. Asking, you know, are you these people? Yes, we are. Cool. All right. Stay there. And they're just this funny old ass couple that are just like, "Ah, you know, I'm getting tired. It's like, how do you just sit down? It's like, where am I? How much is it on my purse? Do I sit on my purse? It's like, sit on your fist and lean your back against your thumb. And I'm like, what? How does that? What does that even mean? How do you do that? What the fuck? What year is this? That that's cool too. You know, dialogue wise, conversations like that, and then also there's like a lot that background talk. There's a lot of really good background talk. Even, you know, when they're first at the foster home, and they're they have the snipers there looking out the windows, preparing, and all that type of stuff. And when the foster dad gives the guy his gun, um, but you're you the main conversation is between one of the officers and the father foster parent but like in the background you have the two guys talking about like uh heart shot. set up here no, yeah set up here we could get a nice headshot this we don't even need sandbags yeah because yeah. they're so they're so um confident they're like we don't need any cover or anything all we need is the shot and it's done which they well, were right more or less but. i mean you have this like normal kind of conversation but you hear that in the background and it's just like it's kind of what those people like just like that random conversation that you hear it's a 20 second scene but it's so good like implanting planning those type of things are again that humanistic side you see more sides of the world and the people in it um yeah that's what's really cool yeah. uh, fucking, i just applaud so many of these little moments uh one of the best movies we've seen this year i want to say yeah i think it was also funny you know with the van uh the captain afterwards is like i don't want to deal with this anymore proceeds mm-hmm. to just shoot the wheels of the van and you just see the news people fly up yes. the fucking truck <laughs> that, was, that was really good or the uh i think the, the most heartless part of the movie was when the news crew comes to the foster family's house uh-huh. and go to try to interview a two-year-old child yeah. who's like i am a two-year-old child and they're like oh blah blah and i'm just like what the fuck are you, you know, well, even back then the journalists were like just like fuck it like go for it the introduction Insane. of the kid i loved his first scene giving the food to the dog and everything and he's oh yeah being everything and do you see um langston they come and run and grab him and like he's all crying when he's taken away from it that's just a good moment yeah like, and it's like he's saying mommy is he calling her mom or is he calling his mom mm-hmm that's quite, they never answer you're, it. You're like it's, the point of view of the dog too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the dog's just like I'm just eating whatever the fuck the kid's giving me. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know the the post credit. I mean, we see that Clovis dies, which was really unfortunate. Yeah. I think it would have been even worse Dude, to to make the, her hmm? the blood. The blood on Clovis was the most hilarious fucking thing. Oh, it looked hell That red paint, like yeah, it wasn't even. It was so bad. It was one of the worst things ever. You can't even get like grossed out by it because it looks so apparently fake. Yeah, that was that was a good like way to bring you back. Like, oh, this is a film. I think when he died, like when he's dying, uh, it would have been funny if he just says to uh, to um to Lugene if he's just like only four months and then he just dies and it's like you just couldn't wait could you right yeah exactly when you really look through it you're just kind of like she really did fuck this all up (laughs) that's the thing all of these are the consequences of 
of her. All yeah, of it was that kind of her single fault. action. Yeah. But yeah, I she like everyone killed. She could have honestly, I think even if they did begin with that, the stopping point could have been the all right, well listen, we'll get out of the car and you like make that deal you said where we can get heard by the judges so they can consider our case for our kid, considering they were supposed to and they kind of the system did screw her over in the beginning when she yeah. got out. Like that yeah. is true. That that is yeah. kind of like the catalyst for it. And you know, low income people with no power like have to go to certain levels to get either heard or attempt to get something done, which we've mm-hmm. seen probably throughout our lives, honestly. Yeah. Uh, that is an occurrence. Uh, usually a lot of crime. That's how a crime occurs. Um, because of the 1%. Yeah, uh, right, for real. Which actually, that not even joking. That's actually a thing. But uh, we see that in this film. And there are, like we said, multiple faults here from courts or government whichever one you want to have that handled that system that didn't give her her kid back to Mm -hmm. her making this choices she makes after and you know the whole snowball effect that occurs um but yeah this movie just a phenomenal movie crazy that it is only spielberg's first movie like this is the start and then we get jaws and then eventually we get everything else et indiana jones uh jurassic park uh schindler's list hook all these other ones that are crazy et um, talk about like simplicity like in the most outrageous way possible in a great message fuck man. the yeah. movie is like remarkably fucking amazing like, <laughs> like et was actually a movie where when i was younger i always thought it was stupid i never yeah, cared about it same. and i remember watching when i was a kid and i was just like it seems so uninteresting and then i realized it's one of those things where it not it might not even really be for kids that much because kids won't understand it to the full point. Whereas when I was an adult in college and I was watching it in a theater because they were like airing it at one of our school theaters, I watched it and I'm like, I understand this so much better now and I can comprehend it a lot better. And this is a much more magical movie than I thought it was. That's how they think when they, they feel like they could be more honest because kids won't get it. But like, and then, you know, a, a, films made for like our age in that sense you know what i mean yeah um they're just like if we don't understand it it's artistic and it's the director's point of view when it's like no the writing for the audience that's why with kids films and directors a lot of directors a lot of writers don't write for the audience they write for themselves and when you're not serving the audience with something you're fucking not telling a story you're just doing something you're just masturbation you know and you're jerking yourself off that's cool but like give something to the audience to take yeah, away from you. Jerk them off, guys. Don't do yeah. it to yourself. Jerk you got to make off. them come. It's yeah. not always about you. Because then they won't come back. And then you got to clean it up. They could help you. Yeah, that's Word true. on that. I might cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck just happened? I, just, I would love it if somehow this episode does get to Spielberg. And he's listening to it. It's like, wow, these kids really get it. And by the end of it, he's like, what the, f- what the fuck? <laughs> Turn everything around to masturbation. Yeah. But yeah, I happens. mean, great shit. I can't wait. I can't wait for Jaws. I've never seen it, you know? So I'm super excited for this That's next one. It's insane that you haven't seen Jaws. I've seen it We're twice gonna... or two or three times at this point. It's but... just and one of those things. And that's why we did this, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but we'll cover the short film next, and then we got some Jaws, and then we'll probably have maybe a fistful of dollars or just another new month coming our way. Yojimbo. 
Yojimbo. And then Yojimbo. Fistful Dollars. That's right. I forgot we yeah. didn't do Yojimbo. We've got, we've got a bunch of stuff. I won't even bother. I, if you want, just listen to our last episode. I think I listed all of the months we still have or the ones that are unfinished and whatnot. But uh, next is our short film Amblin, which we'll have the following week. And that is going to be, like I said, it'll be interesting just to decipher it and see why Spielberg chose to make that name, the name of his production company uh, after this short film. And uh, yeah, after that, we'll see. We'll probably have Jaws. Um, we'll see maybe if we get someone for Jaws, because I feel like honestly, that's a movie where we can probably get someone on for that. That's like not mm-hmm. too hard to acquire a fan of that that knows it in and out and whatnot. But yeah. Uh, we'll have Jaws, we'll have Yojimbo, we'll have some, plenty of other stuff. Um, there's still like August, September. We're about to be in September, so we do have August, September still, plus everything else coming up. Uh, we're still going to try to catch up before the year is over, because then <laughs> there's the entire lineup of 2023 that we got to figure out at this point, too. That's going to be mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but yeah, that that is, uh, I think that's everything. Brandon, yeah. where can people find you? Check out Apollo City Comics and all comic book, oh, comic book platforms. I wish, uh, all podcast platforms. Um, on Comicsology, guys, they're on yeah, Comicsology, right? <laughs> and YouTube, and check out our YouTube lives on Thursdays for Drink and Draw with me and Danny. Um, stay tuned for announcements from everything from projects to great cool stuff. Uh, we just covered Sandman. I was also on a couple episodes of the Source Pages podcast and on Jack Kirby. You guys could check those out. I'm sure I was on Across the Bifrost at some point too. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of content coming your way in that sense. A lot of good fun. Nice. All right. And of course, you can uh, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to here for the Sutra Side Talk channel where you hear Sidewatch. And uh, if it's Apple Podcasts, you know, five-star review. Uh, Spotify, please rate us. And if it's YouTube, give us a like besides subscribing. Uh, otherwise, you know, we're on TikTok, Instagram, and uh, Twitter at Sutraside Talk. And I'm still trying to churn out more of those uh, TikToks. I think right now I'm working on some Witcher 2, Witcher Season 2 ones uh, from like still like January, but I got through like all the news ones at least for us. So I'm like kind of, I went through a bunch and then I started back again and I'm like going up again, but uh, hopefully I'll have a lot more out very, very soon. And of course uh, we just before this put out an episode that actually is very news centric for side talk. And then we talk about Westworld season four. Uh, And then uh, next week we will be talking multiple Disney movies, uh, Lightyear, uh, Turning Red, Encanto, and Rescue Rangers. And you'll be actually surprised which ones we had good things to say about and which ones we did not have good things to say about. It's not what you're going to expect, I'll tell you that much. Um, and the one we talk about the most, you also will not expect which one we end up speaking about more than we expect. But uh, Encanto for sure. It's None of those are Encanto. <laughs> I'll just say that much. Um, I think that was probably the shortest one, ironically enough. But uh, yeah, and then that's all we got for now. No could have still news at this moment. Uh, but until potentially next week, we'll catch y'all later. So long. See ya.